when Troy told me or asked me if I would preach for him while he was gone, he said, now you know we've got three services. Well, okay. Uh, as if to say, you think you can handle that many services? You know, and then, and then all week long, my wife has been kind of worried about me. She said, I don't, do I need to bring you something to eat, you know, between the services? Well, I'll tell you what. You come to this, I think the energy level has been increasing ever since the 8 o'clock service and the energy level this morning. At this, I don't know what we'd do if we had another service. I think I'd explode <laughs> with the energy. But uh, how exciting it is to be with you folks and to uh, do the best that I can to try to reveal to you this, this book is so so filled with life-altering, life-changing, transforming realities, truth, that, that if, if we could just see it and apply it, what a huge difference it would make in our life. And so that's what my, my sermon is about this morning. It's entitled, Have You Seen It Yet? Have You Seen It Yet? Not just have you heard about it yet, not just have you read about it yet, not just if you've been taught this uh, all your life, but, but, but have you seen it yet? Have you seen it yet? Have you seen the spiritual truths that we're going to be looking at this morning? And, uh, and, so, and so I'd like for you to turn in your Bibles. I'd like for you to look at Ephesians chapter 1 and following a very typical uh, rather formal greeting where he identifies himself and the people to whom he's writing. There's an explosion. And, and, and it is an explosion of enthusiasm. Now, it's, it's, hard, it's hard to feel the explosion of enthusiasm that the Apostle Paul has when you're just reading it off a printed page. Okay? But if, if you get into this particularly about the first 14 verses, if you get into it and really start digging in and, and studying, you find out that, that the Apostle Paul is just exploding with enthusiasm over what salvation means, over all that it's done in his life and also all that God has in store for them and how he's blessed them. Here's what he says. He says, he says, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. And then he just keeps on going. As a matter of fact, you can tell he's excited about this. Bible translators have a tremendous problem trying to translate accurately these first 14 verses because it's probably the longest run-on sentence in the Bible. There's not any punctuation here. I mean, he just gets so excited. You ever get excited about something and you just forget about grammar and, 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 and the punctuation and everything? And then he, he says a little bit and he says, to the praise of the glory of God's grace. And then he says a little bit more to the praise of the glory of God. And then a little bit more to the praise of the glory of God. And so you get this feeling, my goodness, he's kind of excited and giving praise to the glory of God about all these I'm not going to take the time to read it right now, but if you you read this passage of Scripture, it'll blow your mind. He starts talking about election, predestination, adoption. He talks about uh, redemption and the forgiveness of our sins and how he's summing up all things under his administration. He's summing up all things in the end, in the fullness of time, in Christ Jesus. And Paul's saying, 
He, he expects us to get this? <laughs> you know, great theologians and students of the Bible dig into this, and, and it, it is, it's hard to comprehend. And for that reason, for that reason, we come to verse 15. And because of this, God's got so much for us. He says, for that reason, I too, I've heard of the faith, your faith, uh, in the Lord Jesus Christ, which exists among you, and your love for all the saints. Because it, 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 while I've heard of all that, he says, uh, I do not cease giving thanks for you while making mention of you in my prayers that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, look at this. Here's how I'm praying for you. I'm giving thanks for you because you're people of love, you're people of faith, but I'm praying that God will give you a spirit of wisdom and a spirit of revelation. You see, I've got one up on the Apostle Paul when it comes to East Lake Church, okay? Now, see, he, he didn't know the way I know the people of East Lake. He didn't know the people of Ephesus the same way Susan and I have gotten to know you since we've been here since October. He just heard about their faith, and he'd heard about their love. Since last October, when Susan and I moved from Roanoke to uh, uh, Manita, uh, we've been attending East Lake Church. We, we come on Sunday mornings. We go to the Sunday school class that Tom teaches and just a great teacher and the interaction and the sharing, the faith stories that uh, the uh, other members of the class have to share. And, and, and then we come on Wednesday nights and we sit around table and we get to know a different group every Wednesday night and we hear their faith stories and, and uh, we, we have the opportunity and the privilege of being a part of a PDF group and we start rubbing elbows with with, with folks of, of faith and of love. And, and the next thing we know is, boy, Eastlake is a church that's filled with people of faith and people of love. And I'm here to say to you, I don't know if this is your first time here, your second time here, or if you're looking for a church, but I'll tell you, if you're looking for a church where people, where there's people of faith and people of love, you found it right here at Eastlake Church, right? It is. It, it's, it's, just a, it's just a great church. And... Uh, I better move on, okay? <laughs> I could talk about that for a long time. But, but, but here's, here's what the Apostle Paul says. He says, I, I'm aware of your faith, I'm aware of your love, and, and I'm praying for you. I'm praying that God give you a spirit of wisdom and God give you a spirit of revelation. In other words, spiritual truth, kingdom realities have got to be seen. And, it, and, and they're seen with the heart and not just with the eyes. God's got to open the eyes of your heart to grasp it, to get it, to understand it. And I'm praying for that. That's the reason. That's the reason why at 8 o'clock in the morning, at 9.30 service, 11 o'clock service, we've got people in the prayer room. And they're praying for you. They're praying for us. They're praying that God will open the eyes of our heart that we might see these spiritual truths. And so, he, 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 he prays not only for the spirit of revelation, but he also prays for a spirit of wisdom. So what's that all about? Well, somebody who's wise is able to take information, able to take concepts, and put it into practice. Translate it in, in, into behavior and the way they conduct their lives. And so a spirit of wisdom is somebody that not only has their eyes open that say they can see the truth, but then they connect the dots to the, to the truth, to their life and the way they work it out in their life. And so he's saying, I want you to not only grasp these concepts, 
what God has for you, the blessings of salvation, but I want you to put it into life. Put it into life. Apply it to your life. So he's praying for a spirit of wisdom. And that's my prayer this morning for us, this morning, that God will give us a spirit of revelation and a spirit of wisdom. God, we come before you this morning, and I, I, I thank you for this congregation. God, I thank you for this church. I thank you for the faith and the love that, that Susan and I have, have uh, witnessed and experienced and felt among these people. And God, now I pray that you continue to open our eyes to see more of kingdom realities and all of these blessings that you've blessed us with in the spiritual places in Christ Jesus. And I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. And so, let's get specific. Okay, let's get specific. Let's move on in the passage. And here's how he prays. He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened, that you will know what is the hope of His calling? What are the riches of the glory of His inheritance in the saints? What is the surpassing greatness of His power toward us who believe? These are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might, which He brought about in Christ, which He raised Him from the dead, and He seated Him at the right hand of the Father in the heavenly places, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and every name that is named, not only in this age, but also in the age to come. Whew. Wow. Can you grasp that? <laughs> that, that, is, that is some heavy stuff to think about and, and to try to get in and digest, if you please, in your life. I want us to focus in on just three kingdom realities. Three realities of kingdom living that God wants every single one of us here today to see, and I would add the word to apply, to apply to our life. Wisdom. Here's the first one. The reality of the hope of His calling. The reality of the hope of His calling. Here's what He says, I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened so that you will know what is the hope of His calling. Now, I've tried, I guess you might say, almost the impossible. But I've tried my best in in just one sentence. It's a pretty long sentence. But try in one sentence to try to grasp what in, in this context, what is God's calling upon our life? What is God's calling upon our life? What is God's calling upon your life? Here's the definition. The calling of God is His gracious, interruptive, I'll explain that in a minute, His gracious, interruptive initiative that breaks into our life through the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ in which, in that gospel, he summons us to himself, his purposes, and all the blessings of salvation. Did you get that? His gracious, interruptive initiative in our lives. Now, when I, as I kind of, I tried to digest this and try to grasp it. the, The first thing that came into my mind, it stayed on my mind all week, was what is this business about a calling? God's calling upon our life. And, and all I could think about was my childhood years. Uh, my, my, my childhood years, even though my family and all the roots, aunts and uncles and all that are down in Georgia, the first 14 years of my life because of my dad's work, we lived in New York. And I, lived, I grew up on Long Island, New York. And, and, and uh, the houses were right, I mean, it was just 
right next to one another. You can almost reach out and touch the house next door to you. And, and the, the, the yards were just these little posted stamped size yards, you know. And, and so uh, all of us baby boomer kids and in about four houses, there must have been a dozen of us, okay? I mean, we, 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 and we love to play. And, and, and whether it be the summertime or after school, our playground was the street, okay? Or the backyard, and the backyard was small. So anyway, we'd shoot some baskets in the backyard, or we played stickball, or we played football, touch, not tackle, out in the street. And, and we, just, we just loved to play. All of us loved to play, and, and, and uh, when it was time for us to go home, uh, this, that, this, that was the day before these things, okay? So the, the, the means of communication was not texting. Uh, it was not even a phone call. Uh, some of y'all might re- remember pagers, okay? And, uh, but we had no pagers. We, we had none of that stuff. And so the, the, the means of communication when parents, and typically the mothers, wanted us kids to come home, some had a more sophisticated way. They, they you know, one, one mother blew a whistle, okay? And when we, when we heard the whistle, we knew it was time for Joey and Brian to go home. You know, when the bell would ring, we knew it was time for Bobby and Maddie to go home. Well, <laughs> Evelyn Krim, my mother, had the most sophisticated means of communication. She got out on the front, she got out of the front porch Daryl, come home. <laughs> well, how do you avoid that? You know, I mean, it was loud and clear, okay, and it was personalized. I mean, I knew exactly who it was that was calling me and who was, who was summoning to come home. And, and she was calling me to come home. Most of the time it was supper time, okay. I had a great, my mom was a great cook. And I had, I had a great home life. My mom and my dad, great Christian people. They loved one another. Uh, my brother and my sister and I didn't fight too much, okay? But we, we just had great home life, okay? And so there was no reason for me not to come when she called. You know, every reason in the world. A big meal was prepared. A mother that loved me more than anybody on the whole face of the earth. I should have come, but I interpreted that as an interruption. An interruption in my life. I would rather play football. I would rather shoot baskets. I would rather play stickball. I would rather play... In other words, don't bother me right now. I've got another agenda that I'd rather do. Until I started here, there! <laughs> okay? But that's the way we are with the calling of God. Every single one of us here has heard God calling our lives. And I'm here to tell you that God doesn't just... You may not have heard God speak your voice, your, your name audibly, but I'll tell you what, He speaks louder than that. He speaks internally. And every one of, every one of us here, I, I, would, I, would, I would venture to say, has heard God calling them to Himself. A few months ago, I guess it was probably about four months ago, I began to develop a relationship with, with a guy here in Manita in the area. And uh, it wasn't at first, but after a while, I, he, he was kind of a burden on my heart. I, I kind of knew by the lifestyle that he shared with me that he was living, and I could tell by the language that he used that he probably wasn't a believer, although that doesn't necessarily totally define it. But I, that was my guess, and, 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 and so 
there was a day when I, I sat down with him and I, I said, I got I to gotta share with you something. I said, it's, it's made all the difference in my life and I just want to take a few minutes to share it with you. And I, I shared the gospel with him. And I led him in, I, I led to a prayer and I said, uh, this is how you receive Christ into your life. I said, you, you pray a prayer if it's the attitude of your heart and you ask Jesus to, uh, to come into your life and uh, take control of the throne of your life and forgive you of your sins and, and so forth. So I explained that to him and I, and I said to him, I said, are you ready to pray a prayer like that? Are you ready to give your heart and your life to Jesus? And he stepped away from me for a few minutes. I could tell he was emotional. I, I could tell it was, he heard. And, and in these words, I'd say he, he heard God calling. He kind of stepped away. You know, he's a man. He didn't want to cry in front of me. And so kind of stepped away. And a couple of minutes later, he came back. And I said to him, I said, well, what did he say? Are you ready? Here's what he said. I'm not ready yet. Imagine that. Imagine a kid saying to his mother who loves him more than anything else, got all supper prepared, got a beautiful home. I'm not ready to come home. You've got it ready, but I'm not ready yet. But imagine go to the next level where God is calling you, all that He's done for you in the person of Jesus Christ. The feast has been set. That's one of the parables that He's won. The supper's ready. He's done it all. And He's saying, come. You hear the calling and you say, not now. Less than a month later, 42 years old, he died of a brain hemorrhage. If God's calling you today, today is the day of salvation. Respond to his calling. But then he goes on and he says this. He said, I don't want you to just hear the calling of God in your life. He says, I want you to know the hope of his calling, the hope of his calling. What's a person look like that has no hope? A person that has no hope is a person that doesn't have driving power. Somebody is describing one day a, a person without hope is like a sailboat without a breeze. It's going nowhere, okay? Sir in uh, Kierkegaard, back in the 1800s, uh, a brilliant guy, uh, a philosopher, has probably the best description of a person without hope that I've ever read or heard of. And, and, and that is, he, he described a person without hope as, as a guy that's taking a walk in the woods, okay? And as he's walking in the woods, he hears something rustling in the leaves behind him. And, 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 and so he turns and he looks, and lo and behold, it's a lion. And that lion is coming after him. And so anybody in their right mind, when the lion's chasing them, what are they going to do? They're going to run. But he quickly finds out that a man is no match for a lion in a foot race. And so he's running as fast as he can and, and the lion's getting closer and he's wondering what he can do. And all of a sudden he looks off to the side and he sees that there's an open well. Not knowing at all what's in the well or how deep the well is, he just takes this flying leap in the dark and he, and he jumps into the well. And as he's falling in the, in the well, all of a sudden he looks down at the bottom of the well and guess what he sees? A dragon. <laughs> there's a dragon at the bottom of the well. And so he sees, he sees what's looking, what he's looking forward to in the future and he sees what's up there in his past and, and all of a sudden there's this root that's growing, penetrating the, 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 the walls of the well. And so as he passes by the root, he grabs on and he's holding on with all of his might. And he looks down and he sees the dragon, that's his future. He looks back, he sees the lion, that's his past. And he's holding on to the only thing he's got in the present and that is this root. 
And all of a sudden, he begins to focus in as to where that root penetrates the wall. And guess what? There's two rats on that root. One black, one white. And they're gnawing away at all the hope that he has. Night and day. That's the picture. That's the picture that, that this philosopher says is a person without hope. And Paul prays, he says, I pray that the eyes of your heart might be open, that you might know the hope of his calling in Christ Jesus. Well, what is the hope of the calling? I'll tell you what it is. He, if you look at, at, at verses 4 through verse 14, he'll tell you what that hope is. He says, in him, in Jesus, we have redemption. You know what redemption is? Setting you free from the bondage of sin. That's your past. And how does he do that? Through the blood of Jesus Christ and forgiveness of the sin. Right now, Jesus Christ is willing to forgive you of all of your past, your hurts, your hang-ups, your, your sin, your bitterness, all the sin, all the junk, all the garbage in your life. You can look back and you can see that the gospel is relevant to your life because He's willing to wipe it away. But He doesn't stop with just your past. He tells us, to look into the future in that same passage of Scripture. You see, he's summing up everything. God's made the mystery of His will revealed to Apostle Paul, and he says God is summing up everything in Jesus Christ. That's our future. That's your future. As Jesus is your future. And then, he says something else in that same passage of Scripture. He says He doesn't just leave you hanging there by yourself. Okay? He says, you're sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise. God has given to you the seal of the Holy Spirit. The seal is a mark of ownership. You're His kid that's hanging there. You're His. But not only is it a seal of ownership, it's a seal of protection. You know what the Gospel says? The Gospel says to you this morning that Christianity is not just simply a matter of you hanging on to God. I've talked to a lot of people and they say, Pastor, I think I'm ready to to, to be saved. I think I'm ready to... I give my life to Christ, but I just don't think I can live up to it. I don't think I can hang on. Well, if you could hang on to the Lord by yourself, you would have no need for the Holy Spirit in your life. Christianity, Christianity is not simply a matter of you hanging on to God. It's more a matter of God hanging on to you. That's good news. That's gospel. And that's what we, who, who sometimes begin to lose hope, need to see the hope of his calling in Christ Jesus. Not only that, but we also need to see a second reality. And the second reality, we're moving kind of quickly here. The second reality is he wants us to see the unimaginable significance that you and I are in the eyes of God. Unimaginable significance. How, how significant do you see yourself in the eyes of God? Well, here's what he has to say. He says, he he wants us to see what are the riches of the glory of his inheritance in the saints. His inheritance in the saints. It's not our inheritance in him because surely when we become one of his children, all that he has is ours. He's just told us that. All the spiritual blessings in the heavenly places are ours in Christ Jesus when we become one of his children. It's just like a little child that's born into a family. That little child is born into the family. And the moment that that child is born into the family, all that his parents have are his. 
Okay, all of the love, all of the security, all of, all of their faith, everything that they have, even from a materialistic point of view, all that they have is His. Okay? But now, what do they get in return? Okay? Well, they get this little baby that can't say a word, a little baby that uh, sleeps during the day and stays awake at night, a little baby that poops in the pants, a little baby that the whole world, the whole world, here this little baby can't say a word, the whole world is built around the baby. And, and, and that's what this baby has to offer. What do we have to offer God? Well, Paul says, consider your calling as he writes to the Corinthians. He says, there were not many of you that were wise. As a matter of fact, as you go, you're just, you're just the base things, you're the weak things, and God has chosen you. As a matter of fact, he has chosen, this is the one that really hurts. God has chosen the foolish things of the world, okay? That's who we are. God has chosen you, and you are his glory. You are his glory. When you and I give our life to Christ, when you and I begin to know the hope of his calling, his life within us, we become his glory. And so, you know, I, I can kind of identify a little bit with that is, uh, how, how the kids and the grandkids are, are our glory and how we glory in them. And, and, and Susan and I will drive uh, five hours up, to, uh, 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 up into Maryland to see our two grandkids in a little play where maybe they're just making a, a five-minute, not even a five-minute appearance in, in the play. You know, their little part. You know, we'll drive hours there. We'll drive all the way to Nashville, Tennessee. To, to see our other two grandkids involved in something because, and, and then as they get up there, who are we looking at? We're not looking at the other 50 kids that are up there. We're just, we're looking at the one. That's all we see. And, 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 and what you don't realize, what we don't realize, what we don't get is how significant you are to God. If you understand, if we were to capture how significant we are to God, when we wake up on a Sunday morning, we wouldn't say, well, I just don't know if I'm going to make my presence known in church or not today. Okay? You're God's glory. Show up. Just show up. You're the glory of God. And your presence makes a difference. We wouldn't ask, well, I don't know if I, if, if, if I ought to serve or if not. These people are a glory to the Lord who has saved them that are going to these, to these mission points and, 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 and serving Him. And they do that. And they're a glory to the Lord. We are His inheritance. And then finally, well, all right, just two minutes over. All right. What, what do you, let, let's just say for, I, just just say for instance, your father is Bill Gates. Now, he used to be the richest man in the world. He's only got 90 billion something dollars. The guy that's, I don't know his name, I can't think of it. The guy that's the CEO of Amazon, he's just surpassed him. He's got a hundred something billion. What do you give those guys for Christmas? <laughs> if, 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 if you were his son, really, if you were Bill Gates' son or the CEO's son of, of Amazon, what would you give him for Christmas or his birthday? Well, let's stop and think about this. What, would you give, what do you give God? What does God want from you? He wants you. That's what He wants. He wants you. I don't, I don't even know if Bill Gates has got a son. Okay? I don't know if there's any children involved. But I can tell you as a father, 
The best, the best thing that my kids can give to me or my, is just give me themselves. I just want to spend some time with them. I just want to be there. And so you're sitting and say, well, what can I give God? You're His glory. Give Him yourself this morning. Just surrender your life to Him this morning. And when you do that, there's another reality that He says will take place. And it's the reality that it is God's will for you to know and experience the surpassing greatness of His power that He directs towards you. The surpassing greatness of His power that He directs to you toward you. Surpasses what? Surpasses every enemy. Surpasses every problem. Surpasses every hang-up. Surpasses every sin. It surpasses it all. And then what does He do? He says, I want you to know something of the power that He directs towards you as you look towards the resurrection of Jesus Christ. He says, these are in accordance with the working of the strength of His might which He brought about in Christ when He raised Him from the dead. Now, I don't know about you, but when I think about the power of God, over over in Romans chapter 1, verse 20, I read these verses, since the creation of the world, God's invisible attributes, His eternal power, His divine nature, they've been clearly seen, being understood through what has been made so that they without excuse. In other words, you don't even have to be a believer. You just be a, a, a person that, that wakes up in the morning. And you look outside and you, and you look at the trees and you look at the stars or you, you, you see the sun coming up. You see a sunrise. You see a beautiful day. You, you see it all. And, 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 and most people, most people, many people at least, will at least say, well, there's a transcendent power up there that created all of this. Okay? Or, or they might say, well, there's a man upstairs. You hear people refer to that. What they're making reference to is this transcendent power. When we look at creation, he puts it on display all around us. And, and it's a testimony to the, to the transcendent power of an omnipotent God and all of his attributes being made known through that. But that's not the power. That's not the power that he's talking about here. He's talking about resurrection power. What's resurrection power? Resurrection power is is power that brings life to that which is dead. Life to that which is dead. And what is it that's dead that God wants to resurrect? In chapter 2, verse 1, he says, Do you not know that you were dead in your trespasses and sins? Sin has killing power. Bitterness has killing power. Guilt has killing power. Immorality has killing power. Sin has killing power. And, and we, we are dead in our trespasses and sin. And what is it that a dead man needs? He doesn't need, just need to be educated because all you got then is an educated dead man. He doesn't need to be motivated because all you got then is, is a motivated dead man. What a dead man needs is life. He needs an appetite. He needs a hunger. He needs the breath of life within him. And that's what Paul is saying here. says, I want you to know and comprehend the surpassing greatness of the power. And what power are we talking about? It's the power that puts new life, brand new life, in dead people. And you can be very much alive. You can have drank your coffee this morning when you woke up and eaten your breakfast and come to church and be dead. Be dead. You can be out walking around on the face of the earth, but be dead. But it's it's, it's the power of God, His Holy Spirit that comes into our life when we say, Lord Jesus, take control of my life, forgive me of my sins, make me the kind of person that you want me to be, that he invades our life and he he raises us anew. That's the life. That's the life that he wants us to know about 
and, to, and, and not just to, to know about, but to, but to live it out. And so finally, finally, what is involved in opening the eyes of my heart? Well, let me just give you two quick little simple things. This is not rocket science. It really isn't. A child, a young child can get this. I think the hardest thing about it is as we get older in life, our pride gets in the way and we don't want to make it as simple as it really is. So you say, how in the world can the eyes of my heart be open? And here's what he said. When you hear Jesus calling, summoning you, just respond to him. Just respond to him. When you hear him say, come, come. Okay? That, that's, not, uh, that, that's, that's not hard to understand. When you hear him say, come, come. One of my, one of my, when I was reading through this and I, and I saw what Mark 13, 3.13 says, Jesus went up on the mountain. Okay? Jesus went up on the mountain. And he summoned, he called those who he himself wanted and they came to him. And they came to him. He calls whom he wants. If you hear Christ's call upon your life today, you know what that's proof of? He wants you. He wants you. You're important to him. He loves you. Respond to his calling today. And then finally, secondly, when you open your heart... By surrendering your heart to Him, then the eyes of your heart will be open. You know, I would, I would recommend, you know, there's no one prayer that's a magical prayer. You know, I know we refer to it as the sinner's prayer, and, and, and that's a good generic expression for it, but there, there's no special, specific words that you pray. It, it, it's the attitude of the heart, okay? And, and, I mean, here's a prayer right here. That's a great, communicates a great attitude. When you personalize this prayer, Paul's praying for the church that your eyes be open, the eyes of your heart be open. Why don't you just turn it around and say this way? I pray that the eyes of my heart will be enlightened so that I may know what is the hope of his calling and what are the riches of his glory in me, his inheritance in me, and what is this passing greatness of his power toward me, this morning as I place my faith and trust in you. Let's bow together and pray. Heavenly Father, I don't know where people are in their journey. I don't know if they're on a, on a stroll through the woods. Maybe they're in a, in a state of alarm. Maybe something's begun to chase them and they don't know how to get away from it. Maybe they're just uh, just trying to hang in there but they don't really know what they're hanging on to. And Heavenly Father, no matter where we are, there are those that are here this morning that hear you calling to them and say, I'm the one for you to trust in this morning. And there are those that are here this morning that want to say, Lord Jesus, I want you to open the eyes of my heart. I want to know the hope of your calling. I want to know the areas of my life that I can trust you, that you're calling me towards. Heavenly Father, I want to know how significant I am in your kingdom. And God, what a glory that you want me to be to you. Heavenly Father, there's an area of my life that I, re- that I, that I turn over to you. Like a laser beam, the power, the power of the resurrected Christ will focus on that, helping me overcome 
those problems and sin that's within my life. I give my life to you this morning. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. As we close, Ben is going to come and he's going to lead us in singing. I'm going to be standing down in front. I know I'm not your pastor. I know I'm not Pastor Troy, but I am your brother. Uh, And I'm here and I've I've been there. I'm not just coming up with some words to try to preach a sermon to fill in some time. This is life. This is life. And, 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 And if you want me to pray with you, if you want somebody else to pray with you, then I'll be here. And you come as we stand and sing together. For more information about Eastlake Community Church, please visit us online at eastlake-church.com or find us on your favorite social media platform at EastlakeSML. Thanks for joining us.